broadcasting before and probably after the rapture. It's the Drew Marshall Show. We gotta make a sound. We gotta sing with this. Here we go. Here we go. Sing it, Timmy. Sound like Edith from Archie Bunker. (laughs) All right, you are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're into our final segment, the final stretch. Boy, it's been a long show today. Streaming live at drewmarshall.ca on the MyJoy radio app and iTunes or on Google Play and across the GTA on AM 1250 Joy Radio. Can I just tell you the one thing that's spinning around my head after the entire show is I really hope my friend doesn't hate me. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Lydia. But you know what? No, I think... Why, why would she hate me for playing that? No, I don't... I d- even if she does... It's good singing. Is, listen, listen, listen. The fact that um, the lady out in BC, the shack... Uh, d- the shag lady. Yeah, the shack yeah. interview. As opposed um, to the bag lady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, she said no. Like, she really... Dug that Love moment. the song. Yes. And dug the moment. Yes. So I think, not to say it justifies or whatever, but I hope <laughs> that your friend realizes that oh. there was something important about that moment. I need, I'm trying to get more friends in my life. I don't have, like, I barely have you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's only because you pay me that I'm here. <laughs> I barely have you, babe. <laughs> I got you, babe. We've got to get the butter tarts going here soon. <laughs> it's the end of the show. Uh, we're almost out of time, but we've got to do the pub crawl because uh, that's uh, one what of my favorite parts. Do, yeah. So it's a moment where myself and a few friends crack open a few topics. I want to introduce the gentleman to my left. No, I would like everyone to... Um, hear his introduction. How would you introduce yourself? How do you say <laughs> well, it? Well, hey, Drew. Glad, glad to meet you. My name's Rich. I'm the executive director at Camp Mignoli. Yeah. Uh, i also been a pastor for about the last 20 years. Um, was at the meeting house here in the GTA. The last seven and a half years, I was down in New Jersey in the Manhattan-facing suburbs of New Jersey at a church called Liquid Church. Super glad I'm to sorry, be here. It's called what? Liquid Church. Which fits with pub crawl. Come That's on, That's kind of where I was going. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's actually funny. Actually, our first uh, location was actually in a pub. Yeah. You can believe that. Nice. Uh, we'd say, no, you know, no beer, just Bible. But, you know, that was... Really? The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then maybe later, but... I'm so glad to be wine here wine was on tap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did a, uh, I did a uh, small group meeting in the basement of a pub. Uh, f- uh, you know, I was trying to get people to understand. I don't know. Well, I can't even remember the motives. Um, and, uh, well, yeah. no, I do remember yeah. the motive. Yeah. Uh, and the pub burned down. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> was God's judgment. I'm sure there's some listeners you, that aren't surprised by that. You have a lot of these uh, fire things following <laughs> fire you Fire follows me. Yes. Fire follows me. Right, exactly. <laughs> all right, let's jump into the pub crawl, folks. Uh, you are listening to the Drew Marshall Show, and on the phone with us all the way from, I don't even know where he's from. John, where the heck are you these days? Moncton, New Brunswick. Nice. What's going on in Moncton? Yeah. Hey, what's happening out there? I um, mean, besides the Drew Marshall show, yeah. Are you are you eating? Are you eating or drinking coffee? I hear you smacking your lips. What's going on? He's probably having a butter tart. No, I. I but it's, it's obvious you guys have been hitting it pretty hard over there. I know. Uh. <laughs> True story. Well, uh, John uh, Stackhouse is uh, probably one of my favorite all-time pub crawlers uh, because he's cheeky, he's intelligent, and he's incredibly handsome. Nice. <laughs> yeah. 
John, that's why we're on radio. Babe. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> I'd leave it for you there. John, what are you doing in your life? Do you, you got anything you want to sell? No, I just uh, this morning sent the revised uh, copy of my new uh, book manuscript back to New York, and uh, Oxford will have it out in September. Mm-hmm. It's Oxford. called uh, Why You're Here, uh, Ethics for the Real World. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to a book that will... Uh, take some of the things I've been thinking about at an academic level and make it more accessible to a broader public. So a few months from now, it'll be good to talk to you again when that book's out, probably scheduled for September, I think. Will you be coming to Toronto and book touring and going on um, 100 Huntley Street? My, my old stopping grounds? <laughs> Those don't always come as a package. Uh, and uh, so I may well come to Toronto. Good. Well, try to plan we'll do some marketing. Try to plan it near the end of the week, and then come uh, come into the studio and hang out with us here, and have butter tarts and and um, lollipops, and lollipops, <laughs> beer. That's what you guys are calling it nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Cheeky. Your reputation proceeds. Oh man, um, Professor Stackhouse, I'd like to introduce you to Rich Birch. You guys know each other? No, I don't think we've met before. Nice to meet you, sir. 1975, hmm. Camp Minioi great experience are are you an alumni i am indeed did you come as a camper or were you you know involved yep. in the summertime yep. as a john he's, he's putting a hit on he wants you to come to the, to <laughs> the, the dinner. reunion come to the dinner <laughs> dinner happening yep. yeah that's Youth camp 1975 oh that's a blast that's what, amazing what, what what was her name <laughs> <laughs> no no um i was uh too spiritual back then for that <laughs> nice Got over it, but <laughs> oh gosh, that's great! You know, there's so many people tell this story. Drew. I run into this all the time, where people I'm just bumping into people, and they're like, oh, "Absolutely, I went to camp, and you know, they'll you know name some year, which is amazing." I bumped into a leader, you know, six weeks ago, 80 years old, bumps into me and says, "I was there, you know, uh, early 50s, you know, was leading." You know, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's great so, to meet you. So, an 80 year old bumped into you. This yeah, sounds, exactly. this sounds like a setup. Uh, yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, look, uh, let's jump into our first topic, if you don't mind. Again, you are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Uh, Professor John Stackhouse, Dr. Right Reverend Honorable John Stackhouse is on the line with us from Moncton, New Brunswick. And uh, Rich Birch, Mr. Minio, is here <laughs> in studio. First one, uh, Canada's most famous gay minister and leading LGBT rights advocate, Reverend Brent Hawks, was found recently, uh, a few days ago, not guilty of indecent assault and gross indecency this week, uh, dating back to when Hawks was a teacher over 40 years ago, so he'd be in his early 20s. Uh, however, the judge also said that he did not believe Reverend Hawks and did not accept a great deal of his testimony as being true. The judge was especially concerned about the fact that Hawks allowed his students to enter his home and serve themselves enough alcohol as to affect their memories of the night's events in question. So as I was reading through this uh, stuff online and watching various things, it dawned on me something which I want to present to the, uh, to the group here. Even though Reverend Hawks was found innocent, should this incident and the judge's comments be enough for him to reconsider being in spiritual leadership? Uh, should his church ask him to resign, or at the very least put him on a leave of absence, or was this indiscretion so long ago that the phrase, but by the grace of God go I, applies here? Rich, I want to get you to jump in right away on this. Well, you know, it's interesting looking at the coverage this week. So much of the coverage was about Reverend Hawks. He's obviously done an incredible amount of work in the city of Toronto. Uh, but I only found one thing that talked about uh, the accusers, and it was the Huffington Post did this article where they talked about them. 
And, um, and, you know, my heart broke for those guys who, you know, here they are, grown men, so many years later, 40 years later. And this clearly still, whatever happened in that trailer uh, in the 70s is still impacting them today. Maybe they're just lying and wanting to get some cash and some, some news time. And, right? That's what the yeah, pushback is. Yeah, that's true, is. right? It could, you know, it's amazing. And, and, and you know, the, there's so many people were focusing on, on Reverend Hawks and, like, him being, like, this is, he's exonerated. And I, I just, there's something unsettling about that. I think as, as leaders, I think we are called... Um, you know, to live a life above reproach. I think there are, one of the things we give up when we're in leadership is our public life becomes of, of, of our private life becomes of public consequence. Right. You know, that it's important. And, and, and so I, you know, specifically, you know, like I say, Reverend Knox has done a lot of good in the city of Toronto. Uh, I wonder, I, I think it would be a misstep if it has no impact on, you know, on his leadership. I think, it should. I think there should be a question. Yeah, I've, I have a hard time. Well, I, I, okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm sure we all do this. I'm putting myself in his position right? and thinking, I would not want to go back into spiritual leadership. No way. Right. I right. I would want to recover from this. I would want to own what I need to own and, and mm. reconsider what is true and not true and, and yet lead with grace and love and blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Professor Stackhouse, could please bring some wisdom mm-hmm. into this conversation. Well, this is really dark stuff, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, he was not found innocent. He was found not guilty, and that's a really important distinction mm-hmm. in that the court can't say nothing happened. In fact, the court was pretty sure something, yeah. uh, some bad things did happen, but not enough to meet the burden of legal proof. And the fact that the judge said what he said, uh, openly doubting um, the pastor's testimony, I think his... Uh, church peers and those he's responsible to in his church uh, have some conversation ahead of them with him, um, particularly not only about what happened in the past, in the distant past, but what happened during the trial. It's a pretty grave thing for a judge to say to an ordained clergyman, I don't believe what you're saying. And to say that in open court and to say that uh, for the record uh, is really troubling. And I think that uh, that the mere fact that we've sinned doesn't disqualify us from leadership, otherwise none of us could lead. Mm-hmm. But I think that if we're talking about uh, this kind of case, you want to say, well, is there a, an ongoing problem in this particular zone of this individual's life? And secondly, did the court bring to light, and the court proceedings bring to light, a, uh, a character flaw uh, regardless of the uh, question of sexuality, but a, a question of integrity mm. and honesty uh, that would make it difficult for him to do his job properly. And those are the questions, I think, that would uh, that are going to dog him for the next while. Yeah. Um, however, okay, so I'm trying to play the devil's advocate here, so to speak. Uh, and the, the pushback would be, well, so you're saying judges are perfect? I mean, maybe the judge got it wrong. Maybe... You know, maybe he got it wrong and, and shouldn't have said that or whatever. And, I've, and, and if Brent Hawks is, is connected to people that I know he's connected with, yeah, it makes me wonder uh, how long it'll be until the lawsuit comes out against the judge or the whatever for defamation. And uh, because that's and then I don't know, I just I keep going. Well, you notice that in this age of of um, alternative facts and of uh, he <laughs> says, she says and pick your favorite network. Yeah, I think we have to say, look. I, I didn't say that the judge was uh, correct, and uh, what I said was there are questions mm. that 
responsible adults need to raise among each other and the leadership of that church because it is so unusual for a judge to say what he says. This was not a bill of clean health, that's for sure. Yeah, true story. Tim? Two things. One, uh, no question about... I'm sorry, we only have time for one thing. The the question of guilt and so on and so forth. We've all been sinners. The big question is, is he repentant? I think mm-hmm. that's important in our little circle of faith. Okay. But... Hold on, let me pause there in that one. Don't go jump jump into the second one. We'll just talk about the first one. I want to give you your your props. All right. Um, I am terrified that anybody will bring up something about my past from 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Terrified. Mm -hmm. Because I did some ratbag nasty things. Yep. So I, you know, it, it, can we not just simply? I mean, where does that line? But by the grace of God, go yeah. I fit into this scenario? I think this is where my second point is, um, and and Mr. Stackhouse did touch on it. But as as a Christian community, do you think we'd be as upset if he wasn't gay? You you really you think that's a thing? I genuinely really? think there is an element out there that because of the homo- homophobic presence in our church and our church is. I genuinely think people will be a little more questioning, perhaps. I don't know. I think if it was if it was a group if if it was a group of young women in that in the trailer and he was giving them alcohol, I don't think there would be less no, uh, less no, sense of. Exactly. I, I think the underage thing drives us a, oh, a for big sure. part of this. No the question. Ma- you know, and I, I know for me, obviously, we work with kids all day long. One of the things we talk really clearly with is, you know, I think we are c- called to. Um, to uh, you know, impeccable behavior with young I'm people. I'm a teacher. Sure. If yeah, I'm absolutely. talking to a student in my yeah. class alone, I leave the door open. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. there is no question. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, right. Absolutely. That's just because of your lactose issues. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, I blow the door open. <laughs> John, John um, I don't know. I, I guess I want to come back to uh, just to get your take on the. You know, uh, something happened so long ago, and I think back, I think I said 40 years ago. That doesn't make sense because I would have been 10 years old, and I wasn't that much of a rat bag at 10 years old. But oh, yes, I, think, I think back to <laughs> stuff that junior. I – and I don't – I just – I cringe and I cringe and I cringe. And I – you know, when can we not just cut somebody some slack? And I think what you're going to keep going back to, John, if I can put words in your mouth before you even answer, is, yeah, but when a judge questions your truthfulness, it does make you wonder. Well, there's two issues, right? One is what happened back then. It wasn't a criminal offense. A lot of the bad things that you and I have done in the past are really bad, but they need to be adjudicated before a higher court. Uh, that, that's something that we're going to have to work out with our God and with the people we've hurt. But if criminal offenses happen, that's the legitimate interest of the state. Mm-hmm. And secondly, as a couple of you said, uh, the other troubling thing is not what he did in the past, um, but what he did during the court proceedings and the fact that the judge doubts his integrity. And that's that's just a grave accusation that uh, that community is going to have to wrestle with. I, I, I tend to get on a bit of a hobby horse when it comes to um, leaders, spiritual leaders stopping and just shutting up and stepping mm-hmm. down and... Um, but I can't, you know, my income and my, my residence in the house and, 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 and it's going to be awkward or embarrassing or what will I do? I won't, I'll have to work at McDonald's. I don't know, whatever. But how many ministers need to just stop? Because I'm, yeah. we're all sick of this integrity mm-hmm. crisis. 
Well, unfortunately, well, this w- is, is another one of those we've just lived up to the stereotype, right? Like this, the story, unfortunately, here plays out for folks across the country uh, that you can't trust people in ministry. You can't trust leaders. Again, those, those even though the, he was deemed innocent, even though he's, he's this, or no, we're not innocent, not guilty. Sorry, yeah, John, not guilty. Um, the, again, it's just. Everyone who's in, unfortunately, people that are impacted by this story, everyone who's in leadership uh, has been called in question. All right, let's <laughs> jump into our uh, next uh, topic here on the pub crawl. Uh, Rich Birch, Minioe man, and Donald Trump on the phone. <laughs> Dr. Reverend, what, what are all the monikers in front of your name, John? What are, what, what are you again? Professor Doctor. Okay, That's it. That'll work. John Stackhouse on the phone. President Trump's executive order banning travel into the United States by citizens of seven majority Muslim countries, including refugees, has many saying that if you are truly a religious person, you would want all borders to be open to anyone, especially to anyone declaring refugee status, legally or not. So, Tim, since the utopian dream of a borderless kumbaya world is not quite the reality now, should we not limit who and how many come into our countries? That's the bottom line. Should everyone be able to go wherever they want, whenever they want, without abiding by the rules of the land and that they want to go to? And what do you say to the immigrant who just spent thousands trying to follow the rules and hours, filling out the forms, the right forms, and the months waiting in line? What do you say to your loved one who can't get the medical care they need because of a funding so- a shortage, uh, but funds are being used to assimilate illegal refugees and pay for their medical care? Would you be okay opening up your home to a family that lives under Sharia law? That doesn't get any more kumbaya than that. Honor killings, genital mutilation, and other faith-based gender inequality issues are not part of Canada. So should we not be vetting new Canadians? Or is that just being a xenophobic, racist, redneck, conservative Christian? Who would Jesus let in? WWJLI. I'm going to get those bracelets printed. Nice. Printed? Yeah, made. Tim, you're off. Uh, A couple of things. I don't believe that uh, genital mutilation and honor killings are actually part of the faith. I believe they are a cultural thing um, that certain countries that have become Muslim uh, have just kept within justified by their faith. With regards to immigration and uh, keeping the rules, um, perhaps we could ask the 100 million estimated murdered Aboriginal people from around the world, from the West, going in, um, the Christians going in and taking over their countries. Uh, Perhaps we'd ask them how they feel about it. And finally, I would say I would say um, government-wise, state-wise, yeah, perhaps there's an argument for that. But I would say that as Christians, um, there is no argument. We are called to embrace these people. Enough said. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim the Tool right there on the Drew Marshall Show. Very well said. Very well (laughs) said. So, Mr. Kumbaya, um, I would like like you to listen to what Professor Dr. John Stackhouse has to say. Stackhouse, not Steinhouse. I didn't say Steinhouse. You did. John? <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to throw you off. I'm sorry, I just nodded off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the barrage of questions that you put together, uh, Drew, are, are good ones. Um, and they speak from different emotional registers as well as different uh, policy considerations. So uh, from a Christian point of view, uh, the basic ethical question, yes, we're supposed to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That means love all of our neighbors and take into consideration the impact any new policy would have on everybody concerned. And I think your barrage of questions helps us that way, that there is a cost to bringing um, a stranger into your midst, and we are obliged to care for the stranger, and we're also obliged to care for those who are already here and already in our circle. So there is 
always going to be a matter of careful ethical calculation as to how we can maximize the good in this situation. And that will sometimes mean that we uh, put ourselves out and even sacrifice ourselves considerably for the stranger. Other times it's going to mean that the stranger poses such a threat uh, to those that we are also responsible for that we have to keep the stranger outside. And, uh, and that's the kind of fundamental tension that we feel as individuals when somebody comes knocking at our door whom we don't recognize and asks us for some kind of help. And the same thing is true at the level of the state. Okay, so I think I just heard you say, Tim, you're wrong. All right. No, because, Tim, look, let's cut through it here. Okay. You are such a friggin' tree hugger. For sure. That you want all borders to be all open to everybody all around the world. Mm-hmm. And you think that's who says a, we're right? Who? No, I think when it no, comes. No, 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 no. You're, you're com- saying you're saying I'm all kumbaya. Yeah. So you're you're from a point of I'm right, they're wrong. Keep them out. That's exactly what you're saying. No, actually, what I'm saying is that when it comes to democratic societies and uh, societies that are are um, are growing and uh, healthy, that there are rules there are sure. there, and there are boundaries sure one of the ways a healthy society stays healthy is by rules and boundaries mm-hmm. and you think the states is healthy right now no no what i'm saying is is that um you know i think at the bottom of all this is and you tell me if this is uh, judgmental mm-hmm. is that the way they have chosen to live in whatever country that we're sort of putting the blocks on and they're trying mm-hmm. to escape there's a reason those people are trying to escape absolutely people aren't trying to run away from canada um okay going back to who we're not letting in uh the seven countries that we're not letting in currently no one from that country has caused anybody harm in north america Right, I'm just talking about the refugees. All, no, well, faith. this is this is the, the whole the question of, of, of banning um, the countries that have produced people that have murdered Americans are fine. And interesting enough, as well, the seven or eight countries that have been banned do not have Trump businesses in those countries. Interestingly enough, a lot of the countries that have caused harm to the states do have Trump-related companies. Let's talk about health. so i don't want the conversation to be hijacked into uh, where trump's has has his businesses i'm actually talking about as people of faith should should jesus people because this is a jesus station should jesus people be all about no borders and anybody should be able to come here whenever they want rich you know i think this is uh one of the complexity of trying to follow the bible right it's it is a it's difficult to apply um, but as John said, the kind of weight of Scripture uh, points towards um, we're called to care for the stranger mm-hmm. am- amongst us. And, you know, one of the difficulty things, difficult things living in such a globalized society is the original text couldn't imagine a day when people from all over the world would end up on our, our doorsteps. But I think that w- the weight of Scripture still resonates in our lives today. We have to figure out how is it that we can care for people, whether they're from Syria or whether they're from Sarnia. We have to figure out what our um, what our responsibility is to that, and how how do we do that, and how do we do that in a way that cares for our community and cares for the people that God's put. There's on that Bible verse, and I'm, maybe I'm taking <laughs> out of context. It's in the Old Testament um, about 
you know, welcoming your enemy and, and, and letting them in. And it's like oh. heaping burning coals upon their head. I've always wondered what that meant if it was like, you know. That's why I nice invited to you them. to help out with the show. Yeah, get nice to them because it'll tick them off. <laughs> uh, some others have said that the, the burning coals, that's a, a way of warming the bed. I, I don't know what it is. But I think the idea of, of abject just love. I know well, it's, it's well, okay, kumbaya. I know it's beautiful. John? As we said. John, go yeah. ahead. That, that the the Old Testament, which is being quoted a lot in the media today, um, about welcoming the stranger and caring for the, the the weak person among you, there's lots of scripture that says that. But remember, this is this all that scripture in the Old Testament is taking uh, is in the context of a country that or and a nation that God has said at the same time as I'm telling you to welcome the stranger. Do not have inappropriate contact with the nations. In fact, he has very strict cultural expectations for Israel that when they welcome the stranger, they are not to welcome the stranger's gods. They're not supposed to welcome the stranger's ways. And so, and and in fact, uh, he gives them orders about how to preserve their borders against their enemies. So I think the Old Testament is interestingly complex rather than simple. Mm-hmm. It doesn't boil down to one or two uh, proof texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time that God wants Israel to be compassionate to the stranger, he also is very concerned that Israel maintain its integrity. And it's exactly that kind of tension that we face in Canada today between being compassionate, but also making sure we have a Canada tomorrow that can still welcome refugees. Ooh, I like what he said better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I think um, that there's another um, side to this, which is uh, Christians uh, like to talk about uh, the fact that they should obey the law, obey the government, obey the law. Yeah, we and need if, to. And if the government, uh, we, we elect our officials to do certain things, and one of the th- certain things is the whole Jack Nicholson thing, we need someone on the wall. We don't oh, like what yes. they do in the wall, but we need someone on the wall, right? We need Greenpeace. I don't mm-hmm. like Greenpeace, but if we didn't have Greenpeace, all sorts of companies would be doing all sorts of nasty things and mm-hmm. no one would know. Anyway, so <laughs> my point is that uh, that when it comes to our officials, we let them make the laws and they say, well, here's uh, the system we've set in place about who can come in. And are you saying, Tim, that the Jesus people should disobey and sneak in people over the border? Because what that's do we the do, right what thing do we to do. What do we do about unjust laws? What do we do about unjust laws as Christians? The law of the land said that segregation was legal. Hmm. The law of the land said that slavery, was, and in fact, the Old Testament was used to justify it. You know, for me, and this is just maybe a simplification of my faith, maybe whatever, but I've come to this realization that if Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God, and he came to bring a new covenant— they asked, they asked him, the Jews, the, the Pharisees who knew all about the law to the letter said, which is the most important commandment? He didn't even quote one. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. It should be that simple. Mm-hmm. So and should you we, break the law and sneak in refugees? Drew, why, um, why haven't you done I, it yet? Okay, no, listen to me. Like, <laughs> hold on. You, you spent a, a moment in Israel weeping. When did that happen? When I walked out of the children's exhibit of okay. the Holocaust Memorial. It was against the law to harbor, uh, to, to protect Jews. Right. Would you break the law? Right. Yeah. Well, I saw this meme. Sorry, it's a meme. Change, change the word Muslim into Jew into Hitler's speeches. Right. How do you think it, how do you think it works now? All right. Rich, and then John, final word. Well, I was going to say, you know, most 
the the scripture New Testament was written in a time when um, you know Christ followers were under incredible amount of persecution. Um, we shouldn't be surprised when we're out of step with the broader culture. Like Absolutely. that is actually that yeah. is what's happening here. So I you know I, I think we are called to obey because that's what God calls us to do. But we're not. We shouldn't be surprised by the fact that um, you know the the broader culture, the government is acting differently than scripture. That should it shouldn't be a justification just because the government wants to do something bad. Therefore, we should baptize it and make it Christian. John Stackhouse. I was asked once why the Bible was such a big book and why God couldn't have made it simple enough for an eight-year-old to understand what he wants us to do and reduce everything to simple words. And I I feel that way about the uh, the every time I have to deal with the law system in Canada, I wonder why it couldn't be simple. And that's because in adult world, things are complicated. Mm. And sometimes you need a complicated document to guide you through it. So I'm glad for this kind of, of moral enthusiasm that we have today, but it has to be... Uh, I think, directed into uh, the kind of careful analysis of the situation and the careful calculation of what is going to be the best we can do in a badly fallen world, where at the end of the day, we're never going to feel really great about the decision we make. I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I, I'm happy I brought this up uh, because this is a push-button issue for Tim, and I, li- <laughs> and I like to get Tim excited. Riled up. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's good, and I always love having John. John, I just, I, you know, we joke around a lot, but I do appreciate everything that comes out of your yap. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot, and I, I do think that Tim deserves at least two butter tarts for... Uh, oh, geez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, right, uh, that's the end of John's stackhouse. Bye, John. <laughs> Bye. See you, John. <laughs> That's the end of our show. Thank you for tuning in. One and all, Buen Camino. I'm doing that. I come from all that fears. I'm swearing.